folks, welcome back to another episode of Coffee, Tea, and Crime. Episode today is going to be the kidnapping and murder of Kathy Nishiyama, Part 2. Folks, a short review before we get into part two. It's November 16th, 1981. It's 7.15 p.m. Last time Eddie's been seen in the Dixon County squad car, he's traveling up 149. He's going to get to that intersection for 13 and 48. If he takes a right, he goes to Dixon County. If he takes a left, he's heading to Clarksville. Betty Smith, she lives in Palmyra. She's heading up to Clarksville. She's got to pick up her daughter. Her daughter's doing baton lessons there at the Austin P. Armory, which is up there on Train Street near Marion. That's just about a rock's throw from the Winfield Dunn Arena. And you can see the football stadium there in the distance back to the north. Now it's a little after 7 p.m. when she picks her daughter up. Now, after they leave, she's heading back down to Riverside Drive, which is... Highway 41A, that's how she's going to get back out of Clarksville. So that's going to turn into Highway 13. But now she's going to stop at the Sack and Pack Market and get some gas. Now, I don't know exactly how she got from the Austin P. Armory down there, the Sack and Pack, or not really sure which market that is. But, suffice it to say, she's driving down there to that second pack. And when she's making a turn off of the road she's on, she happened to glance over and she sees a police car sitting across the street. And she tells her daughter, she goes, I'm going to get a ticket. Now, the reason she's going to get that ticket was she didn't give a signal when she made that left. So now she's pumping her gas, and she sees that squad car. It's white with a green stripe, number five. Now, it moves, changes location, goes across the street to a fish restaurant, and circles the parking lot. So now she gets her gas, gets in her car, got her daughter with her, and they're heading out of Clarksville. Now she's driving along 41A, which is Riverside Drive in Clarksville. Then she gets out, starts getting out of Clarksville and it turns into Highway 13. Well, then she gets down there to the intersection and she hangs a right and she's heading towards a 
We're heading on Highway 149 because she's going home. Now, she noticed that there was some headlights behind her and they seemed to have been there for a while. Now, that's just as she's passing the Hilltop Market. So, she's going along down 149. Now, she's gone several miles now. It's probably seven, eight miles or so. And them headlights are still behind her on 149. Now, she passes Hematite Road. Right after that road, there's a bridge. Now she crosses that bridge, and then that uh, car that's behind her, blue lights come on. So she pulls over just past the bridge. Now the fella in the police car comes up. The first thing she notices is that he's got long hair, and he's not in a uniform, and he hadn't got a bag. Now she asked him, she goes, are you the same cop that was sitting up there at the second pack in Clarksville? And he says he was. She asked him why he stopped her. And he told her that there had been a hit and run accident in front of the Golden Q. And he said he'd gotten a radio call about it. And that the description of the car matched her car. And he said he was following her to see if she'd try to run from him. So now he asked her for her driver's license, and he walks back to the patrol car with it. And she said he was back there for quite a while, but then he came back and gave her a license, told Miss Smith to go on and go. Now, Miss Smith would later testify that the whole time this fellow was talking to her, the flashlight was on her young daughter sitting in the passenger seat. Now, later on, in March of 1982, she's watching the news and she's going to see a picture of old Eddie. And she recognizes him as a man that was in the patrol car that stopped her. And at trial, she would positively identify Eddie as the man that stopped her and her daughter. Earlier in the evening on the 16th, Kathy Nishiyama leaves school at the end of the day. She heads home to her parents' house, which is up on Charlemagne near 41A. Now she leaves a note for her parents, letting them know that she's going to go visit her boyfriend and she will be home by 10 o'clock. So she gets in her 1978 Mustang and she heads out. Now she gets over there to his house and she's there till about 8.30 in the evening. And that's when she leaves her boyfriend's house and she's heading back home. Now, I don't know where the boyfriend lived. All I have as a reference is, is that it was approximately a 30-minute drive thereabouts to go from his house to back to her house. 
and that wherever he lived, it was south of Charlemagne in 41A. The reason we know that Kathy's boyfriend's house had to have been south of Charlemagne is because of the location where she's going to be stopped at. Now, as Kathy is coming up 41A, she makes the turn, left-hand turn, 41A, onto Lafayette. Now, Lafayette goes about a block and it's going to intersect Charlemagne. Now, at that intersection of 41A and Lafayette was a big old Church of God. Now, I don't know if she noticed the headlights behind her or if she noticed that there was a white police car with blue lights on it behind her or not. But she did when the blue lights came on. And she pulls up and stops there on Lafayette right by the parking lot of the church. Eddie gets out of the car, walks up to her. Now, there is a story and it's secondhand information came from the trial. But allegedly... Eddie told her that something had happened to her parents and that he was there to get her, take her to where they were at. I'm assuming that could only have been a hospital. So she takes her Mustang and she parks it on the parking lot of the Church of God. And she gets in the back seat, evidently, of the squad car. Now Eddie leaves from there, goes back down 41A, leaves city limits of Clarksville, and then evidently he's going to take that Highway 149 off of Highway 13. And he ends up in Houston County down around the city of Erin, little town of Erin. Now he finds a logging road, goes down that logging road, and gets her out of the car. And he beats her and he rapes her. Now, evidence at the crime scene would show it appeared that she was tied between two trees. Now, after Eddie's done with her, he beats her with some type of a blunt object, and he beats her to death. Now, it's going to take months. In fact, it's going to take till February of 1982 when a Tennessee Highway Department employee is going to find her purse on the side of Highway 49. Now, Highway 49 runs between Charlotte and Erin. Now, her purse is found because up to this time, all the searches, everything 
that could be done by the FBI and the Clarksville police and had been done and they could not find her. Now a few days after the purse is found, you got some residents at a house there near Highway 49. They call the Houston County Sheriff's Department and they say, you need to come out here because we done found something in the yard. So the police get there and it's a human school. Now they bring in Dr. Bass, Marvin Bass. Now he's the one that started the body farm at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. And he's probably the leading criminal anthropologist in the world. He gets the skull and then they find some other bones and they find hair and they find clothing scattered all over a wide area of the woods. Dr. Bass was able to confirm that the bones were those of Kathy Nishiyama. He would testify in court later that Kathy had been hit in the mouth with a blunt object hard enough to break three teeth. Kathy also suffered a blow to her left eye that fractured her skull, another blow to the center of her head, and a massive fatal blow to the right side of the head. The last blow caused her skull to cave in and also fractured the back of her skull. All the injuries occurred at or near the time of death. But Dr. Bass could not determine exactly when the victim's death had actually occurred. Now his opinion was that the victim had died approximately three to four months before her remains were found. Now Dr. Bass could not determine how long the victim had lived after receiving those injuries. His opinion, though, was that the, that massive blow to the right side of the head is the one that would have knocked her unconscious and eventually led to her death. lady named Carol Estes lives in Clarksville. She would later testify that she left her house, which is near the big church, at about 9 p.m. She was heading to Kroger's. She was going down 41A. She said when she went through the intersection there of 41A and Lafayette Road, she saw a police car flashing blue lights, and it was stopped on Lafayette Road, and it was right behind a smaller car, and both vehicles were right in front of the church. Now, a fella named Jackie Jackson... He was coming down 41A and he turned on the Lafayette Road. Now he's not sure exactly what time it was but he knows it was before 10 p.m. And he said when he turned on Lafayette Road there was a county police car stopped behind a, a brown car. It said that both vehicles had their lights out. 
said he saw a man of normal height and weight with shoulder-length hair stand beside a brown car. At 9.15 p.m. that same night, a detective with Clarksville Police Department said he saw a county patrol car coming into Clarksville off the main highway there, which is 41A once you get into the city limits of Clarksville. He said the driver was a male white with shoulder-length hair, shoulder-length brown hair wearing a green jacket. Now he estimated 15-20 minutes later or so he saw that same patrol car heading south out of town on the highway there 41A. So we know Eddie's movements on the night of the 16th. We also know that Montgomery County Sheriff's Department had been in contact with the Dixon County Sheriff's Department several times and had complained that one of your cars is up here in our county stopping people and he stopped them all over the place. Now, allegedly, according to the resource material, communications for Dixon County, every time they got that call, they called the chief deputy, Pfizer, and the sheriff, Doyle Wall. Now, other than that, broadcast that went out about the squad car and the trustee they didn't really do anything else in fact they didn't do anything now Eddie didn't show up at the Dixon County Jail till about 3.34 o'clock in the morning on the 17th Several deputies would later testify that they saw what appeared to be blood on cruiser number five and that the back seat of the squad car was looked like it had been used or needed to be cleaned. Now despite the fact the sheriff and the chief deputy know about the fact that cruiser number five has been all over multiple counties stopping civilians and the fact we got a missing girl in Clarksville where Eddie happened to be in cruiser number five that car was not processed that car was cleaned up now Eddie has denied always denied he had anything to do with the death of Kathy Nishiyama now, he was put on trial and found guilty and sentenced to death. Appellate court overturned it, sent it back down, found him guilty again, sentenced him to death. Or rather, they sent it back for the penalty phase and he was sentenced to death again. And then it was overturned again. 
So Eddie sat on death row. Now happily for society, Eddie died May of 2007. While in prison, serving his life sentence, now, the Nishiyamas, they sued the Dixon County Sheriff's Department, Doyle Wall and Carol Pfizer. Now, the state, they got 200000 and I still hadn't found out if and what they got out of the, through the federal proceedings because they sued Doyle Wall and Carol Pfizer via the federal government under color of law basically saying that Doe Wall and Carol Pfizer had a duty to protect Kathy Nishiyama, not get her murdered. 